Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Government Digital Service Podcast. My name's Angus Montgomery and I'm a senior writer at GDS. And for this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by my colleague Sarah Stewart. Hello, I'm also a senior writer at GDS. So um, our voices might sound quite familiar because both Sarah and I, with our colleague Laura, have been on all the episodes of the GDS podcast that we've done so far. And as part of those episodes, we've been interviewing people across GDS and across government about their work and talking about the things that they do to help transform government and to build digital services um, and to make things better for users. And we realise we're nearly a year into this podcast now. We're, I think this is our 11th episode. Um, and we haven't actually properly introduced ourselves and talk about what we do um, and how our work contributes to digital transformation across government and helps everyone in GDS and across government do their jobs better. So that's what we intend to do with this podcast. And we're also going to be sharing our top tips for clear writing, which um, we've put together over the past three years of working at GDS. So we'll be sharing those with you as well. Yeah, so Sarah and I, um, just as a bit of background, um, we're both creative writers at uh, the Government Digital Service. Um, We both joined on the same day. Um, Can you remember what day that was? It was May the 23rd. I thought it was the 22nd. (laughs) Strong start. (laughs) Sarah's memory is better than mine. Uh, May the 23rd, 2016. Um, And... We work as part of a team called the Creative Team uh, in GDS that also uh, has people like filmmakers, um, production experts, graphic designers, um, Graham Higgins, who is also in the room with us, who is doing the production on this podcast and is one of our filmmakers and um, audio production and all sorts of other amazing things as well. And our role, the role of our team, is to help everyone uh, in GDS from Director General down throughout the organisation of all parts, talk about their work, communicate their work and explain what it's doing to help government work better and to make things better for users. Don't sell us short, Angus. We also write um, at a ministerial level as well, so it's from minister down. What we want to do with this podcast, as uh, Sarah's um, uh, already uh, talked about, is explain a bit about our jobs and what we're here to do, um, talk a bit about writing and communication and why it's important, and to give our 10 top tips, pieces of guidance, principles, whatever it is you want to call them, um, about how to write and communicate more clearly. Uh, So that's what we're going to do. Um, But before we kick that off, Sarah, could you tell me a little bit about what your background is and how you came to work at GDS? Well, I don't know how far we should go back, but um, at school, the only two things that I thought I was good at and enjoyed were English and rounders. And there's not much you can do with rounders. So I pursued English, I read English at university, Came down to London, did my postgrad down here, became a journalist, hated every second of that. I was a business (laughs) journalist. Um, And it was a generally terrible experience for me. Although I did pick up some um, useful things like always carry a notebook and pen with you, which I still do to this day. How's your shorthand? It is non-existent. (laughs) Um, And also about libel as well. That was an important lesson. Um, And then I was lucky enough to get a job working at Shelter, which is a housing and homelessness Mm -hmm. charity. And they also campaigned for um, kind of better housing rights and conditions. Um, And I was a content um, writer and producer there. So I launched their advice YouTube channel. I edited their um, advice on their website. Um, I launched their advice sound clips and I edited their blog as well Mm. of case studies. Um, And then after a couple of years, um, I found out about the job at GDS. What attracted you to GDS? 
funny story actually. I had never heard of GDS before applying for it. I was at Shelter and someone that I worked with left the job advert on my desk with a post-it that said, this is the kind of job you can go for in a few years time. And I thought, screw that, I'll apply for it now. It wasn't really my ambition to work in government, but it kind of worked out well. I really enjoy what we do now. But you did know about GDS before you joined. Um, I did. So my background was um, similar in the sense that I was a I was a journalist. I hadn't worked um, doing anything else actually. I'd been a journalist my entire career. And so. you liked it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> like, more than like I is not a Did you word. cry in the lose every day like I did? No, um, uh, that's really unpleasant and horrible. I'm sorry that you went through that. But, <laughs> 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 but uh, there might have been some loo crying at certain stages. It's a, I think the thing about journalism, as you sort of implied, is that it, when it's good, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And it is a great industry to work in. Um, and um, you can do lots of different things and lots of exciting things and meet lots of interesting people. It is really, really tough. And when it's bad, it is very, very unpleasant um, Mm -hmm. and a difficult environment to work in. Um, So I think I kind of um, enjoyed it and didn't enjoy it at varying times, uh, depending on what I was doing. So I was working for a website uh, called Design Week, which covers the uh, UK design industry. And around the time I became editor was around the time that GDS um, was setting up and launching and getting a really big profile mm-hmm. and was winning awards like a DNAD Black Pencil and the Designer of the Year Award. So obviously it was a really, really big design story. And I got to know some of the design team in GDS. And I was, you know, obviously while that was happening, an observer of what was what was happening. I was reading all the blog posts. I was looking at all the posters and all the other communication it was putting out. And oh, my God, you're really was... putting me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> but GDS was um, was a really big story, looked really interesting to me, um, was hugely appealing in the sense of something similar to what you said. Um, this was an organisation that was serving the whole nation mm-hmm. and an organisation that was very clearly there to do something good. It was there to help government work better for users and for everyone, for civil servants and everyone. Being involved in something like that was really, really appealing and is, is, remains really, really appealing. That's why I still come to work every day. Uh, before we get on to the kind of the, the writing aspects and the, the, the top tips and the kind of um, the educational part of this podcast, um, what is it that you enjoy most about working at GDS and what do you find most satisfying? That's a good question. Um, I'm lucky to say that there are quite a few things I enjoy. I like the fact that when I write, and that can be if I'm drafting a speech or writing a presentation or helping someone edit a policy document or write a ministerial forward, that I'm actually doing something that's important to the idea of democracy because in order for people to make good decisions, they need to know what the facts are. Mm. And I like that I can ask the difficult questions that get to the facts. I like that I can challenge people and say, no, you need to include more detail. I can say, you should leave this out because it's maybe not the right time to to come out and and say this particular thing. Um, I love the feeling when someone maybe this is a bit self-indulgent, but when someone is delivering a speech that I've written, it's like the best feeling in the world (laughs) because I'm naturally introverted. And I know that these words aren't my words, but when a joke goes down really well and the audience laughs or when you, you know, when when the key message has been hit and people understand it and an Mm. action is taken, that's massively rewarding. But there's so, I get so much pleasure from just the act of writing. Mm. I mean, when I'm not doing it at GDS, I'm doing it in my spare time. Um, 
there's just something really satisfying I guess like mathematicians when they do a sum correctly or they work out a formula in it and it all works out wonderfully well it's writing a sentence that flows beautifully and is truthful and um you know moves people to do something or to to consider something in a different way so I don't think there's really one part that I don't enjoy I mean I hate meetings but doesn't everyone (laughs) um what how about you um, I think something similar, although I'm kind of less wedded in a weird way to the craft of writing. I mean, writing is it's not something that I don't enjoy, but um, I, I, I kind of I don't get a huge amount of pleasure in a sense from like constructing a sentence or the kind of technical aspects of it. But the thing that I enjoy most is I really like the idea that writing is structured thinking when you write something down you need to be really clear and it needs to be really structured and it needs to make sense. And so Mm. the thing that I get most satisfaction from is when you're working with someone to help them explain a difficult concept that can exist maybe only in their own head Mm -hmm. and they're explaining it in a way that they can't fully articulate, you're just about understanding it. And then there's that breakthrough moment where you write something down and you show it to them and they go, yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's, that makes total sense. And that's <laughs> exactly what I'm trying to do. That, that to me, is a really satisfying part of this, is like getting... And, and, and I suppose a corollary to that is the fact that we work with really intelligent, really nice people as well, but really super intelligent people who are really driven and really focused on what they're doing and have these really complex things going on in their heads... And maybe because they are so close to that work, they aren't always capable um, or or don't always find it easy to communicate them as clearly as possible. And that's really our role is to go in there and say, right, let me inside your head. Let me inside all those really deep technical details and all the different things that you're thinking about. And I will help you communicate that clearly. Yeah. Um, And like that, that, that to me is the really satisfying part is like being the bridge between this really intelligent person who has a really complicated idea and the person who needs to understand that. At at the risk of asking, I suppose, a cliched question, um, tell me about your day to day and what, what it is you actually do and what it is that what we do and what, what we write and produce yeah so we write a whole host of things so it's obviously the kind of straightforward written content so um blog posts uh press articles op-eds um i tend What's to an op-ed oh sorry good question uh it's well actually i was <laughs> I, I, I don't know the answer either, to this actually which so, is so th- there are some people who think that it's an opinion editorial mm. so someone just um speaking about a subject that they know um other people think that it means opposite the editorial page. Mm-hmm. But basically what we take it to mean and what I'm doing, I think, is you're writing an opinion piece. So for a newspaper or a magazine. Yeah, for yeah. a newspaper or a magazine. So and I'll be writing on behalf of somebody. I don't think it's any secret to say that um, you know, in government there are speech writers and there are mm. other, you know, people like us exist in order to kind of help senior civil servants communicate. Mm-hmm. Um so I tend to specialise in speeches, but we also write um presentations for people across GDS. We might be writing um, forwards for strategy papers. We Mm -hmm. might be editing, you know, policy documents. That's a very small part of what we do, I think. Mm -hmm. And we also write scripts for animations and films and do things like podcasts. So we wanted to give you 10 principles that help us communicate clearly and that we think um, you might benefit from as well. And some of them are you know, things that might seem obvious and some of them maybe are a bit more left field, but they're all things that we kind of help us do our day-to-day jobs. 
So without further ado, um, Sarah, do you want to give us point one and tell us a little bit about it? Okay, so my first principle is establish the point. Before you write anything, whether it's a speech, a blog post, a presentation, a love letter, establish what the point of your writing is. And the point comprises two parts. And I'm thinking of trademarking this actually. It's <laughs> what you want to say and why it needs to be said. We'll come on to audience in just a second. Um, so once you've established what the point is, write it on a post-it note, stick it at the top of your dock. It will be your guiding star. It will keep you relevant. It will keep you focused. And if you can't figure out what the point is, don't write. Don't agree to do the speech. Don't agree to do the presentation. The chances are you'll come up with a point at a future date. But if you're really struggling to establish what it is that you want to say and the reason for saying it, just don't do it. You'll waste people's time and wasting people's time is a sin. Point three of the point. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, so you've got what you want to say and why you want to say it, but also who you want to say it to. Yes. Because the audience, as you mentioned, is a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um so you need to understand, well, there needs to be an audience. So, that, so you have to assume that the thing you're saying is going to be interesting to someone or to a group of people. And mm-hmm. then you have to work out who that group of people, what that group of people is. Yep. Um, and knowing that will help you work out the best way of communicating your message as well. Because it might be that the thing that you want to say or write is best done as a blog post, or it might be best done as a film, or it might be best done as a presentation, mm-hmm. or it might be better to you know, draw it as a picture and create a poster of it. And, and But knowing, knowing, I think, those three things, so the, the what, the why, and the who you're trying to tell it to will help you shape your message and the way that you're communicating your message. My first point, uh, so number two of our principles, is write it like you'd say it. Um, so I mentioned earlier about um, a big part of our role, or, or the, the main part of our role, is to help organisations, this organisation, communicate in a human voice. To me, a human voice is the voice that you would use to describe something to a friend when you're, you know, having lunch or at the pub or in the park or whatever. Like, if um, this is that thing about like, if you're trying to describe a really difficult technical concept, then think about how you would explain it to a friend or to your mum or to, you know, your son or daughter or whatever it might be, and then write down the way that you would do that. So there shouldn't be really that much difference between the written word and the spoken word, although obviously you have far fewer sort of ums and ahs and all those sorts of things. Um, But like a human voice written on page should sound like speech to me. So I, when you read something, it should sound like someone is saying it to you. Someone is speaking to you in the way that, in in a sort of slightly informal kind of, I suppose kind of friendly tone of voice, but in a way that's understandable and relatable. And that really helps you to, I think, get away from, the, the what can be a quite there can be a formality about the written word and i think some this is again why some people find writing quite um quite a sort of scary prospect is it can feel like you have to use the longest most complex most impressive words possible and actually you really don't you need to use the shortest clearest simplest words possible mm. just as you would if you were trying to explain something verbally really clearly so write it like you'd say it and and, and the way a thing that can help you to do that is, as you're writing something down, read it out. Does it make sense if you say it out loud? Does it make sense if you say it in your head? Does that article that you've written sound like something that you would naturally say? If it does, then you're broadly along the right lines, I think. That's a good tip. And it neatly um, links into my next point, which is don't try and sound clever. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what you want to be is 
clear and concise and don't overdo it. Don't don't try and impress anyone because you are probably doing something that is impressive. You probably have all the vocabulary that you need to express it clearly. Leave it there. This reminds you of a good quote by the investor Charlie Munger. And he said, if you want to be thought of as a good guy, be a good guy. So if you want to come across as being smart, just be smart and explain what you're doing. Mm. But don't go out there having an agenda that you want to come across as something. It's just very inauthentic. You see it particularly in academic writing is people who are so in that world mm. become, it's, it's almost impossible to cut through what they're saying. For example, my friend sent me the abstract of his book and one his opening sentence was 58 words long with no <laughs> punctuation. And I could individually pick out what every single word meant. I knew the meaning of each word. But in that, in the syntax, in, the, in that sentence, I had no idea what was going on. And I was trying to give like positive feedback. And I said, look, I'm really sorry. I don't know what it is you're trying to say. And he said, oh, well, it's written for academics. I'm like, well, I mean, presumably at some point you want other people to read it. Sometimes in this organisation as well, people say, oh, it's written for senior civil servants or, oh, it's written for a particular audience or it's written for someone who's a specialist. But they're people too. Yep. You know, like it, when you're a senior civil servant, you don't suddenly become this person who communicates in a really arcane fashion or understands things in a really complex fashion. Mm -hmm. Like you're also a person who needs to understand <laughs> things really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so being able to write things down and explain things in a quick and accessible fashion is going to be appropriate for any reader, regardless of who they are. Yeah, actually, um, um, there's a really good discussion if you want some further reading or further listening. Um, it's Stephen Pinker in conversation with Ian McEwan um, on academic writing and the importance of clear writing. So after you've listened to this podcast, do give it a watch. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Which leads nicely, these are segueing quite nicely together, I think, to... My point, or my next point, which is something that we say quite a lot at GDS, which is show the thing. And by that we mean, if you're talking about something, or you're trying to tell something, someone about a product, or a service, or a thing, just show it. Explain how it works. Say what it is. Don't use metaphors. Don't try to dress it up. Don't try to make it sound like it's doing things that it isn't. Just explain what it does. Because, as you've, as you just said, if the thing that you've built or the thing that you're trying to describe is valuable and worth talking about, then all you need to do is explain it clearly and it will do the work for you. You don't need to dress it up. You don't need to put marketing on it. You don't need to, you know, make it sound like it's just the incredible next, you know, use loads of adjectives like stunning and life changing. <laughs> you just need to show it. And if it's a worthwhile thing, then the reader will understand that and accept that and will be on board with it. Um, so show the thing, talk about it as clearly as possible, say what it does, and that's all you need to do. That's basically it. I've come up with an original next principle, Angus. <laughs> Just stole Burn. mine. <laughs> um, which is about feedback and welcoming feedback. Mm. And a sub point of this is the message, you are not your writing. So the other day, some kids came in for work experience. Can I call them kids? Some students came in for work experience and I spoke to them about my job and writing more generally. And a question they asked was, um, what do you do when someone gives you really bad feedback about your writing? And I think the most important and first thing that you should learn, and it's the most difficult thing that writers have to come to terms with, is you are not your writing. 
yes, it has come out of your head and through your hands and is informed by the experiences that you've had. But it is once it leaves you, it is a separate entity. And when once you have that disconnect that it is a separate entity, you stop being precious about it and you start thinking about the work and the work is the most important thing. So when someone says to you, this is a really confusing piece of writing, or this is a really confusing essay, or this is a muddled pe- blog post, they're not saying you are a terrible person. Mm. They're not saying you are an imbecile or you're a failure as a writer. They're saying this is muddled. Mm. This is confusing. And it doesn't feel good to be you know, criticized or to have negative feedback, um, but it's a gift. It's an opportunity for you feedback to- Feedback is a gift. It really is. And I was thinking about like the best advice I was ever given as a writer, which was being told when I was a journalist, which is probably why I hated it so much, was that I was a rubbish writer. So I think that I needed to hear that things weren't very good or I'd have been writing, you know, like a a crazy woman for the rest of my life. You need feedback. You need to welcome it in. And it's always about the work. It's never really about you. And it's never even about you when you're writing memoir or your autobiography. It's still a separate thing. That leads leads very neatly into my next point, which is another GDSism, um, or something that we say quite a lot at GDS, which is the team is the editor. Um, and before I go into this, actually, because it's a, a common thing that we say at GDS, I should probably um, give a shout out to some of the original creative team and creative writers at GDS who were, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants and all that stuff. But a lot of certainly my ways of working and thinking have come from these people. So people like Giles Turnbull and Ella Fitzsimmons and Matt Sherratt, Amy McNichol. Um, and this is the thing that I used to hear a lot from them. Um, the team is the editor. And that means to pick up on exactly your um, point, you, we're not doing this writing on our own. Like we, we are the writer kind of in charge ultimately of the document or the piece of writing that will go out. But we're working in collaboration with a lot of other people. So we could be working in collaboration with the person who has developed the idea or product or service or whatever it is that we're trying to communicate. We'll be working with a comms specialist who will be thinking about, well, what's the best way to, best place to publish this? We might be working with someone who edits, edits the blog. And we're working with the rest of our team as well because we're not working in isolation. So pretty much everything that I write, I share with you and I think vice versa. Mm -hmm. And you have to, um, you're nothing without an editor. A writer is nothing without a good editor. Um, No book that you have read and no newspaper article that you have read and no film that you have seen and no commercial that you've seen on on TV is just a result of a single writer with their vision. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that that's why people get so put off writing as well, because they seem people think of writers as like strange creatures inspired that they, you know, get hit on the head by a muse and are able to write perfect (laughs) prose. But it goes through loads and loads and loads of editing to get that kind of pure, perfect sentence. So the team is the editor and the editor is the unsung hero of writing as well. They are they are the person in the background that is making all these things work. The reason people give feedback isn't because they're trying to undermine you or attack you. It's because they want to make the work better. Yeah. And you have to welcome that, but you also have to go out and try to find that as well. Yeah. Um, So I think as as a writer, it's really important not to isolate yourself and not to just do it on your own and, and just kind of plow away. And It is nerve wracking to share your work and you do have to be aware of when, for example, say I'm writing a speech it's not unusual to have 20 people in the document yeah. all feeding in their ideas. 
and you have to be able to distinguish what is like a uh, a showstopper. So, you know, what's a fact that needs to go in or, or something that has to come out because it's incorrect. What's personal opinion and what's style? And mm. once you, if you've got a really clear idea of that, there, there does come a point where you can say, actually, no, I've taken in everything that I need to take in and I'm happy with the piece now. But I can, just to add to that, you know, sharing it with the team and the team is the editor. Of all the things that I've read that I've shared with you or shared with other people in the team, I've never had a case where it's been made worse by a suggestion. The work has always mm. improved. If the person who's giving you feedback understands what this piece of writing is trying to do and that person is sort of vaguely competent, then they will give you constructive, useful feedback. Yeah. I think so, yeah. And, and I feel like maybe we're rambling a bit on this, or I'm rambling a bit on this, but in terms of feedback givers, like it's very easy to criticise someone. Mm. It's very easy to say this isn't good. It takes intelligence to say what's not quite working about it. So yeah. when you are giving feedback to someone, yeah. really consider... First of all, of course, their feelings, because you don't want to come across as, well, you don't want to be an awful person, but what's useful for yeah. them to know about this? And actually, we've got some fantastic po uh, posters around the office of how mm. to give feedback effectively. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, just make sure that when if you're required to give feedback, that you're doing it in an intelligent, kind way. In a constructive fashion. Yes. Yeah. Better. Yeah. And your next point is to read. Reading is as important as writing. If you want to be a really good writer, you have to read lots and you should read good things, you know, like uh, the classics like Nabokov and James Joyce and Jane Austen. Yes, of course, you should read them because they're fantastic and it's a pleasure to read a good writer. But also just don't be too much of a snob about it. Read a Mills and Boone book, read Fifty Shades of Grey. And again, no shade on E.L. James because she's a multimillionaire doing it what she skills does. Write that stuff, yeah. <laughs> In particular, I would say read poetry, um, not only because I think it's super cool. Poetry can teach you a lot about conveying complex ideas in a very short space of time. And you know, we're you know kids of the digital age. We don't have a very long attention span. So understanding how to kind of um, compress ideas is very important. But poetry can teach you a lot about. Um, the music of a sentence mm -hmm. and especially for speech writing it's particularly important so a poem can teach you about the sound of words the meter how how piece scans it's called scansion so um there's no alchemy to writing really well it is just about practicing writing and reading any poem in particular or poet in particular well good question i would recommend um the confessional poets so like <laughs> sylvia plath actually do you know what any american poet from the 1950s onwards because mm. american poetry in particular they have a way of i say they in a very general sense i would i recommend the confessional school and the new york school in particular as you've asked <laughs> um because they just say it how it is and also the beat poets as well although they can um talk a lot in abstraction you can learn a lot by their directness mm, yeah so yeah ginsburg kerouac yeah. Uh, Frank O'Hara. Very minimum viable words. My next um, principle, next tip, is um, quite a, a practical one. And it's something that might not work for everyone, but I find really, really helpful, um, which is to never start with a blank page. So if you're writing something, the scariest thing is when you kind of open up a Word doc or a Google doc or have a physical sheet of blank paper in front of you and you're like, oh, my God, what do I do with this now? Like, I need to turn this from this blank sheet into a speech or an article or a blog post or a presentation or whatever it might be, 
Um, and that blankness is the most terrifying part of it, and starting is the most terrifying part of, of, of any project, and writing is no different. Um, so the way that I deal with that is when I have a blank page in front of me, I immediately go to Google or other search engines are available, obviously, and or, or, or previous pieces that I've done that are similar, copy-paste and just throw as much text as I can onto that page that even if it's only tangentially similar, it gives me something to work from mm-hmm. so that I'm not starting from scratch, so that I have some something to bounce ideas off or something to rework or something that guides me in the right direction and also takes away that fear of, you know, just having a totally blank page in front of you. I do that all the time, actually. Um, if I'm writing a speech, for example, I always write, good morning or good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> and then if anyone asks me if I've made any progress, then I can at least say I've made a start. Yes, exactly. The, the, the vital start is there. Yeah, it's, it's very it's psychologically important to have something done on paper yeah right so i think it's that it's that, it's that starting and then sort of flowing flowing from there basically. yes and what, what's your next principle so my next principle um i've entitled enough is enough so just don't overdo it just <laughs> write enough and enough doesn't mean writing an epic poem nor does it mean writing a haiku sorry there's a lot of poetry allusions in this but it means writing enough to get the job done and the poet frank o'hara had a lovely quote about you should read it it's called um it's in a a piece of writing that he called uh personism a manifesto and he describes writing um and how effective writing is wearing a piece of clothing so it fits you perfectly Mm. so it does exactly the job that it's meant to do it's showing the thing and well. you might show the thing in those. This is a very confusing analogy. <laughs> it's a very confusing mixing. mixing We're mixing metaphor. several metaphors here to prove a point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and um, bringing me, without really a segue in this one, but bringing us nicely, nevertheless, to the final point, which is um, stay human. And this is not necessarily a writing point. This is something obviously that we should be all doing all the time in whatever work we do. But uh, the reason I'm talking about it, and, and we've touched on this several times, writing isn't something that we just do in isolation on our own. Writing, our The writing that we do is helping one person, one human being, convey a message to another person, another human being, or, or a group of them. And the people in that process are really, really important. Like, the written word is important, but the people in that process are the most important parts. So... Just when when you're when we're dealing with people, we always try to be as nice and humble and listen as much as we can and advise and guide and all those sorts of things. But just try and do it nicely because it can be a stressful situation for people. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Angus. This has been nice, hasn't it? <laughs> this has been nice. So that brings us to the end of our 10 principles. This um, podcast will be embedded into a blog post, which we published on the GDS blog. Please leave your um, comments for clear writing and any advice you have for others. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the GDS podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And um, if you want to listen to previous episodes that we've done or want to subscribe for the future, then please just go to wherever it is that you download your podcast from and hit the subscribe button. And um, we hope to have you as a listener again soon. Farewell. Oh, well.